Hi, and welcome to Scrum Dynamics episode 22. The purpose of the Scrum Dynamics podcast is to help every Microsoft customer and partner successfully apply the Scrum framework to their Microsoft business application projects. Hi, I'm your host, Neil Benson, and thank you very much for joining me on another episode of the Scrum Dynamics podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about anti-patterns that plague Scrum events. But first, I really appreciate all your questions and feedback over the last few weeks. Keep those coming. It's great to hear from you. I'm hoping to have Dermot back soon for another Q&A show. So please leave us a question at customary.com by clicking on the send voicemail button. That's customer with a Y on the end, dot com. Click on the send voicemail button and we'll read out your question on the show. Or if you know someone in the Dynamics 365 community who's got experience with Scrum or DevOps and you think they should appear on the show, drop me an email at scrum365 at customary.com and I'll try and hook up with them. I'm recording in this show in the middle of January and I'm really thrilled that lots of people have taken my introduction to Scrum for Dynamics 365 course over the holidays. Over 20 of them have completed the course in the last few weeks. And so if you follow me at all on social media, you'll see me celebrating lots of their success all over LinkedIn and Twitter. So congratulations to all those students. Listen to the end of the show for details on how you can join them and prepare for your scrum.org professional scrum master level one exam. Before we get started, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Maplytics Biomagic. Maplytics is a market-leading certified for Dynamics 365 geo-analytical mapping app. Maplytics empowers users with powerful map visualization and writing capabilities within Dynamics 365 to drive better sales, improve business processes, and engage with the right customers at the right time. Maplytics now works with Dynamics 365 version 9 and the Dynamics 365 app for mobile and tablet devices. Anogic is a market-leading, gold-certified Microsoft ISV delivering best-in-class Dynamics 365 solutions as well as high-quality and cost-effective programming services. Now, let's get on with the show! Cue music! Okay, here are my top 10 Scrum event anti-patterns. There are actually dozens, maybe hundreds of Scrum anti-patterns, but in this episode, we're just going to focus on the top 10 for Scrum events. Why 10? Well, you know, every time I go to record a podcast episode, I ask myself, what would Gus Gonzalez do? Top 10, this is it. First of all, let's ask ourselves, what is an anti-pattern? An anti-pattern is something that seemed like a good idea at the time, but later on you realize it's got you into trouble. A pattern, on the other hand, seemed like a good idea at the time, and when you look back, it is actually a good practice. When you share it with others and you refine it together, it becomes an industry best practice. But anti-patterns seem like an answer to a problem, but they turn out badly, and they should be avoided by others. So I wanted to share my top 10 Scrum event anti-patterns with you so you can avoid them. Here are what seemed like 10 answers to Scrum challenges so you can give them a swerve. Number one. The daily scrum becomes a status report. Let's start with an easy one and a common one. First of all, let's remind ourselves of the purpose of the daily scrum. The daily scrum is an event held every day for the development team to update each other on their progress towards the sprint goal. 
They can highlight any impediments they've faced along the way so that the Scrum Master can help them resolve those impediments after the daily Scrum is over. In Dynamics 365 projects, especially if you're working for a Microsoft partner delivering for a Microsoft customer, then the product owner is most likely a senior stakeholder. And if they attend the meeting and your Scrum Master perhaps is an ex-project manager and they're at the meeting, then it can be really tempting to deliver your update to the product owner or perhaps to the Scrum Master and for them to start asking follow-up questions about your progress, about your burn down. And now it's become a status report meeting. Try and avoid that. Run the daily Scrum like your product owner and Scrum Master aren't even there. And if that's tricky, don't invite them for a sprint and learn how to update each other. Just don't tell your Scrum Master that Neil Benson said it's okay to disinvite her from the daily Scrum. Okay, number two on our list is referring to story IDs in your daily Scrum. I love user stories. They're a great kind of uh, shorthand for the essence of a requirement. Lots of us are probably using user stories in our Agile Dynamics 365 projects. But here are a couple of user story titles. As a park ranger, I can log a work order for a park asset that needs a repair so that park visitors can enjoy well-maintained equipment. Or as a financial controller, I can process payroll within two hours every two weeks so that all our employees trust us to get paid on time every time. Now, no developer in their right mind is going to say, yesterday, I wrote the unit tests and completed the plugin development for, as a park ranger, I can log a work order so that a park asset needs repair so that park visitors enjoy well-maintained equipment. That's just too much of a mouthful, right? If we all did that, we'd never finish the daily scrum in 15 minutes. Instead, we often resort to an anti-pattern, referring to story IDs, card IDs, or ticket numbers, or issue numbers, whatever you're using. We say, story 258, instead of, as a park ranger, I can log a work order for a park asset that needs repair so that park visitors enjoy well-maintained equipment. And if you enjoy listening to podcasts on double speed, then you're probably okay with, as a park ranger, I can log a work order for a park asset that needs repair so the park visitors can enjoy well-maintained equipment. You get it, right? It's terrible. So there has to be a better pattern to the story ID anti-pattern. And it's not pointing at cards and saying, I worked on this card or that card. Pointing is not an, <laughs> not an acceptable pattern. So my pattern for this anti-pattern is to write a short title for each user story. Just two or three words, maybe four or five words if you have to, so that everyone on the team knows which story I'm referring to. How about log work orders or 2R payroll processing? Much better, right? Okay, number three is problem solving in the daily scrum. One of the things we should be doing in the daily scrum is highlighting to our teammates any backlog items we're struggling with or might not complete this sprint. And it's the scrum master's role to uncover those blocked items and help the team unblock them. Other teammates can help too. Perhaps another developer has faced a similar technical challenge before, knows someone else in the organization who could help you out or has some spare capacity themselves and would like to know more about the problem. It's great. I think, that developers want to help each other. The Daily Scrum is a great place to offer that help, but it's not a great place to provide that help. Save that for later. Let your teammate and the Scrum Master know you've got an idea and then hang back after the Daily Scrum to discuss it further. The Daily Scrum is time-boxed to 15 minutes, but it doesn't have to last a full 15 minutes. If everyone's caught up after seven or eight minutes, then we close the Daily Scrum and we get right back to work. We don't fill up the remaining time with a rushed or impromptu problem-solving session. The Daily Scrum isn't a workshop. It's not for solving problems or unblocking challenges. It's for identifying them. Save your effort for later so that the rest of the team can get back to work. Respect the time of your other teammates and don't go problem-solving in the Daily Scrum. Okay, that's the first three anti-patterns for Scrum events. We've focused them on the daily Scrum. Let's have a look at another sprint event. Number four is sprint planning based on recent velocity. That sounds like a pattern, right? Here's the anti-pattern. 
two scrum squads that I'm working with on the Jupiter program recently completed an average of 21 story points each over the last three or four sprints. So as we began to plan sprint eight and sprint nine, which fell during the Christmas holiday period here, we would have been crazy to forecast 21 points for sprint eight, which finished on the 31st of December, or 21 points for sprint nine, which finished two weeks later on the 14th of January. During sprint eight, 15 team members had two days public holiday and between them had planned 43 days leave. That means out of the usual 150 working days in a sprint, we had zero capacity during 73 of those days. That's half a sprint on holiday. Sprint 9 was pretty similar actually. There's a public holiday on the 1st of January and a lot of the team had taken a week or two of planned leave to enjoy the Australian school summer holidays with their families. So we lost 19 days effort during Sprint 9. I enjoyed my leave with my family during this period and my team certainly deserved theirs but we would have been crazy to run sprint planning for Sprint 8 and 9 if we hadn't taken our capacity into account. So the anti-pattern here is to forecast your velocity based on your recent history without taking into account your known capacity for the upcoming sprint. Who's going on leave? Who's taking time off for training? Who's not available for whatever reason? That affects your capacity and it needs to be reflected in your forecast velocity. There are worse anti-patterns for sure, like sticking to the predicted velocity you imagined the team would have before the project started, but a better pattern is to forecast future velocity by combining recent velocity with your team's known capacity for the upcoming sprint. Sticking with the theme of sprint planning, anti-pattern number five is refining items into tasks during sprint planning. Okay, so this one's a little controversial perhaps. Look, I know that some scrum teams do seem to benefit from taking the time to refine their product backlog items, usually a user story, into tasks. Sometimes even taking the extra effort to estimate those tasks in ideal hours and checking that the total number of ideal hours is less than the total number of available hours in the sprint. That's a capacity planning pattern that I've seen in the past. But my experience with this extra effort is that it's definitely an anti-pattern, for me anyway. On the face of it, it seems like this practice might be helpful, and if you're using this practice in your Scrum today, it might appear to be helping your team. It might, but I'd encourage you to discuss dropping task level estimates in your next retrospective and try running a sprint without tasks. Do you go any slower? Do you have difficulty tracking your progress? Do you have communication challenges? I don't think you will. My teams didn't actually experience these side effects when we dropped the tasks and started tracking progress of our stories across the Scrum board as our only measure of progress. If we did start to feel any side effect, we quickly found an easy way to compensate for it during the next daily scrum. One side effect I did find is that it cut sprint planning time in half. The second half of sprint planning event was done in about 30 minutes instead of two hours. We saved ourselves a lot of painstaking task work and we actually improved the visibility of our progress because there was less clutter, less cards on the scrum board. We no longer had tasks on there. So I'd encourage you, Try and drop tasks from your next sprint and see if that helps you go any faster. Number six is a sprint goal that summarizes the sprint backlog. The sprint goal should be a unifying objective that provides your development team with some kind of ambitious theme for the sprint. It helps us prioritize and focus our actions during the sprint so that we know how to deliver valuable software for our product owner without having to ask a thousand questions a day. The sprint goal is often drafted by the product owner. It should be finalized by the scrum team during sprint planning once the dev team has forecast which items it's going to complete in its sprint. Sprint goals could include prototype using the data export service to populate the data warehouse or complete the integration with Adobe campaign for offer management. Ideally, there's just one shared goal and it supports prioritization, creates a focus and it helps you obtain relevant feedback from the product owner and the stakeholders and supports the team's stakeholder communications as well. In my Dynamics 365 projects, sprint goals for early sprints are often about discovering new things. 
to reduce technical risks, and to test the viability of different ideas. So we focus on prototypes and trying new things out. And as the project progresses and our architecture matures, the sprint goal really turns towards more of a feature-driven focus. The anti-pattern sprint goals look like they should provide the clarity and focus of a good sprint goal, but they really don't. Common reasons for this are the sprint goal was written by the product owner as a non-negotiable stretch target, and the sprint goal is just a restatement of an epic being delivered in the sprint. But the worst and most common sprint goal I've seen is when the goal says something like, complete the stories for sales quotes, case management, and lead assignment. This sprint goal anti-pattern is just a summary of a collection of unrelated user stories. It summarizes what we're building this sprint, but it doesn't really tell us why, which is just as important. By the way, it's okay to have an ambitious sprint goal and not to achieve it. Obviously, we'd rather achieve the sprint goal than not. But, for example, I've had several sprints where the goal was to demonstrate how users can handle inbound calls using Unified Service Desk. But in each sprint, we ran into infrastructure issues that blocked our USD demos. It was frustrating, but we kept learning lots about how to configure our infrastructure to support USD, and we kept developing more features in our dev instance, even though our demo instance was blocked. Number seven are special sprints. And I use inverted commas around the word special. Let's remind ourselves that the purpose of a sprint is to produce an increment of working software that the product owner could choose to release into production if she wants to. Now, she might choose not to release it into production for lots of valid reasons. Some teams plan to release into production every sprint, but to be honest, most teams release less frequently than that, maybe every two or three months. But the important thing is that the Scrum team has completed all the work required to release the increment into production, if that's what the product owner chooses to do. There shouldn't be any work left undone. The development should be done. The documentation should be done. The system integration testing should be done. The acceptance testing should be done. The release rehearsal, well, that should be done too. The only thing you've got left in the product backlog is a small chore to schedule the actual release of your increment into production. Some Dynamics teams, especially those new to Scrum or working in an organization where most other teams are not very agile at all, find themselves with special sprints dedicated to making their increment release ready. They're known as hardening sprints, testing sprints, release sprints, even sprint zero at the start of a project. I'm not a big fan of that either. These are special sprints. They create no valuable software at all. There's no increment delivered at the end of them. On my current project, we're running Scrum within an IT organization whose policy dictates four weeks of systems integration testing, SIT, and four weeks of user acceptance testing, UAT, and then two weeks of disaster recovery and performance testing prior to the initial release of any major new system. And like every policy that's ever been written, this release policy was probably written in response to a big screw-up sometime in the past. Now, everyone has to follow that policy to try and avoid the same big screw-up. Instead of continuously testing and releasing software incrementally like we'd like to do in a Dynamics 365 project when we're using Scrum, instead, we have to hand over our test instance and let other teams take 10 weeks to satisfy themselves it's ready and that we can release it. This 10-week delay for testing is definitely an anti-pattern. But I'm grateful the CIO chose Dynamics 365 and asked me to deliver it and let me use Scrum. So instead of fighting for an exception to the policy, I'm planning to follow it and demonstrate that it wasn't necessary. Hopefully a successful agile implementation of Dynamics 365 with Scrum will make it easier for our future projects to influence that policy. So special sprints are BS. If you love having special sprints in your project, let me know. I'll get you on the show and call you on it. Enough said. Okay, number eight is changing your sprint backlog mid-sprint. That's an anti-pattern, right? Well, 10 years ago, here's the assumption that I was under. 
The sprint backlog was a commitment. It was the development team committing to the product owner that they would deliver everything in that sprint backlog. As long as the product owner made a reciprocal commitment that they wouldn't change the sprint backlog during the couple of weeks of the sprint. That's what I was led to believe after reading the Scrum Guide back then. But here's what happened. In 2011, the word commitment in the Scrum Guide was replaced with the word forecast. So here's a side note for you. Make sure you read every new edition of the Scrum Guide. It gets updated with feedback from thousands of teams, thousands of Scrum Masters and thousands of Scrum Trainers every couple of years. So pay attention, watch out for new editions and watch it evolve over time. Anyway, coming back to our sprint backlog and its commitment. Our teams committed to the product owner to deliver that sprint backlog. Nothing more, nothing less. We commit to getting these items done. You commit to not changing any of the items in the sprint. However, what happens? Well, it's software, right? So super critical bugs come up. There's a drop dead urgent requirement we're asked to attend to. The product owner asked us to change our commitment. And of course, you know, being developers, we'd whine. Passive aggressive developers would send around a snarky Dilbert cartoon and wear some really ironic t-shirt. And the aggressive aggressive developers, well, they would drink a bottle of Mountain Dew and completely blow their stack. And the poor scrum master is left to mop up the aftermath of all of that. And the product owner, meanwhile, is muttering, I thought you guys were supposed to be agile. Experience shows us. Expect the unexpected. It's a software project. Every project is going to have bugs. You're going to have impediments. You're going to have dependencies on other teams. And we're in business with other people, right? So requirements are bound to change. That's a certainty. Let's not treat it like a surprise. We're going to need a little bit of flexibility. We need to be able to change the sprint backlog mid-sprint. So, is changing the sprint backlog a pattern or an anti-pattern? I reckon it can be both. Here's why. It's an anti-pattern when you've got a crazy developer who adds a story to the sprint backlog and doesn't tell the rest of the team. It's an anti-pattern when the product owner coerces the team into changing most of the stories in the sprint. But done carefully and collaboratively and consultatively, it is a pattern. Updating our forecast is not the same as breaking a commitment. And if I could, I would break into a song by the commitments right here, but let's move on. Number nine. Anti-pattern number nine is accepting items as done at the sprint review workshop. So again, I used to think that the dev team demonstrated every done item at the sprint review. We did a demo, opened up Dynamic C65, walked the product owner through all the features we've just developed, and the product owner would ask a question or two. Hopefully they would accept the item as done. Maybe sometimes we'd have to create a new story and to refine one of the done stories. Maybe, very rarely, at least in my projects, they would reject a story if the acceptance criteria wasn't fully satisfied. Now, I hope it was just me who had to run like that, because back then I had a barely available product owner who dropped into the start and to the end of each sprint, who wasn't fully available and committed and invested in between the start and the end of the sprint. So the only time we could get time with the product owner to accept those features as done was right at the end during that sprint review workshop. All that changed with Beth Koza. She was a much more hands-on product owner, available, invested, and really happy to see features and give her feedback when they're like nearly dev complete, but not yet done. So what that meant was, for example, we had a prototype feature. Maybe the form layout was complete, but we wanted to get her feedback on it, but we hadn't yet completed all the testing. If we had enough time, we could incorporate Beth's feedback so that by the time the sprint review came around, the feature was even better than she had initially imagined. The Scrum Guide says the product owner explains what's done and what's not done in the sprint review. But here's what I've come to learn. 
that that explanation isn't for us, the developers. It's for the product owner's stakeholders. If it's for your devs, if that feedback is for your development team and it's a surprise to your development team, then you're in real trouble. That's an anti-pattern. So it's an anti-pattern, I think, to demonstrate all the stories in the sprint review and ask for acceptance on the spot. And a better pattern is to do the review early, get feedback mid-sprint and accept as done as soon as possible. Use the sprint review instead for gathering feedback from your product owner and his or her stakeholders in order to adjust your product backlog as you head in to the next sprint's sprint planning. Okay, last one. Here we go. You ready? This is anti-pattern number 10, and it's no retros. So here's a story way back from years ago. I was working with a gentleman called Ian Dawkins. Ian was a fantastic guy. He was the owner of Concentrix in the Midlands of England, a local CRM consultancy up there. He was also in the process of becoming an official golf referee with the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St Andrews. Ian and I would occasionally talk about golf. I used to play a bit of golf back then. Ian would scold me for having something called a gimme. I would give gimmies to the players that I was playing with. A gimme is when one of the other players in your foursome comes pretty close to the hole in their putting. Maybe they're 30, 40 centimetres, 12, 15 inches away from the hole, and you give them a, a gimme. That just says, hey, I want to speed up the game a little bit, and I want to save you the embarrassment of potentially missing that putt. So let's just count it as one extra shot, pick up the ball, put it in your pocket, off we go to the next tee. You'll never find gimme in the Royal and Ancient Rules of Golf. It's an adaptation by social golfers like me to try and speed up the game a little bit. So let's think about Scrum. Scrum has got three roles, right? The Scrum Master, the Product Owner, and the Developers. It's got five events. The Sprint, the Daily Scrum, Sprint Planning, Sprint Review, and the Sprint Retrospective. We've got three artifacts. The Sprint Backlog, the Product Backlog, and the Product Increment. And we have three pillars and five core values. The pillars are Inspection, Adaptation, Transparency, and the Values respect, openness, focus, commitment, courage. That's it. That's Scrum wrapped up in a few words. Those are the immutable features of Scrum. Take something away and you're no longer practicing Scrum. Take putting out of golf and it's not golf anymore. It's just a walk in a park with an upside down walking stick. You can't use some of Scrum or half of Scrum or even nearly all of Scrum. You have to use the entire set of Scrum the five events, the three roles, the five events, the three artifacts, and the three pillars, and the five core values. Why am I saying all of this? Well, because it's one of those events that I've seen that seems to be most likely dropped from teams trying to practice Scrum. And it's the retrospective. If you're not doing retrospectives, you're not doing Scrum. You're missing one of those essential, immutable events, therefore you can't say you're practicing Scrum anymore. Here, I think, are three reasons why some teams drop retrospectives from their scrum practice. One, they're under some really intense deadline pressure. And they think that by dropping the R or two that it takes to run the retrospective workshop at the end of their sprint, they're saving some time and they can get on with the next sprint. They're under that much pressure. Second reason why they might drop retros, they've got so much experience, they're so good at practicing scrum, they don't need it. Hey, there's no improvements they can possibly make. They're pretty close to perfect, right? Well, not so sure. A third one, and this is the most common reason for dropping retrospectives, is some teams feel there's just too much whining going on. Too much complaining about a situation that's not within the Scrum team's control. They're always complaining about some other team who they're dependent on, or their environment, or the management. Management's always at fault. There's too much whining and not enough action. 
So they cancel retrospectives because who wants to go through all of that, right? I don't care, really, if you play golf with gimmies instead of putting, but I do care that you embrace all of Scrum and bring all of its immutable events, roles, artifacts, pillars, and values to your practice. I don't think there's any excuses for skipping retrospectives. If you have issues, let's fix them. Read Agile Retrospectives, Making Good Teams Great by Esther Darby, a great book. Esther is the authority on how to run Scrum retrospectives. And every Scrum Master or Agile Coach like Dermot, come back Dermot, we forgive you, should be able to facilitate a great sprint retrospective. Okay, so that's it for the 10 anti-patterns in Scrum. I hope you enjoyed that content. I hope you learned a little bit from us. I would love to hear your feedback. Hook up with me on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Uh, I'd love to hear from you there. In the meantime, put what you've learned into action in your Scrum projects for Dynamics C65, and I'll see you next time on the Scrum Dynamics podcast. And remember, if you've got any questions about Scrum and how to apply it to Dynamics C65, you can drop me a question, and we'll play back your, that question on the Scrum Dynamics podcast and answer it here on the show. You can do that by visiting my website, customary.com. That's the word customer, with a Y on the end, .com, and click on the Leave Voicemail button on the right-hand side, record your question there. That'll come through to me. We'll play it back on the show, get you an answer, and you'll be all the wiser for it. Thanks very much. Our mission is to have every Microsoft Dynamics 365 project succeed using Scrum. If you'd like to learn more about Scrum and become a certified professional Scrum Master, visit crm.audio slash scrumdynamics to get discounted access to the introduction to Scrum from Microsoft Dynamics 365 course. The course features videos, worksheets, quizzes, and a practice assessment for the Professional Scrum Master certification exam. It covers the theory of Scrum, its events, roles, and deliverables, as well as lessons learned through Scrum for Dynamics CRM case study projects. CRM Audio podcast listeners can get discounted access by visiting crm.audio slash scrumdynamics. Thank you.